0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, January 18th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Washington is locked down for Joe Biden's inauguration while Donald Trump's State Department is still shaping foreign policy. Germany's ruling party, the Christian Democratic Union, has found a new leader to replace Angela Merkel. And soaring valuations for tech companies during the pandemic have encouraged new investment in logistics, and that is reshaping the cities. I'm Brendan Greeley in for Mark Filipino. Here's the news you need to start your day. The Pentagon has approved the deployment of 25,000 National Guard troops to Washington, D.C. for Joe Biden's inauguration. Mr. Biden already plans to sign executive orders during his first 10 days in office. He wants to rescind the Muslim travel ban, for example. He wants to rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement. So there are just days left in the Trump administration. But Mike Pompeo, Mr. Trump's Secretary of State, is still making foreign policy. Katrina Manson is our foreign policy and defense correspondent in Washington. Katrina, Mike Pompeo is still working?
1: Yes, and at an accelerating pace, Mike Pompeo, the US Secretary of State for the next few days, has been extremely busy. um, And he's done a spate of measures that will clearly complicate uh, the incoming Biden team's room for manoeuvre and I think slow them down in some of the things that they want to do.
0: Help me understand the distinction between slowing them down and complicating them and actually achieving a policy goal. Is this designed to make life difficult for the incoming administration, or are these moves actually designed to perhaps do a little bit of last-minute policy on the way out the door?
1: Yeah, I think it's an interesting distinction. And of course, it depends who you ask. Um, The administration, when they talk to you, say they're simply blowing off steam. (laughs) And also- Wait, I'm sorry. I need to interrupt.
0: Did somebody literally tell you blowing off steam?
1: Blow off steam. Yes, I tried to ask them, are you doing this to um, limit the Biden administration's room to maneuver or to make it impossible for them to uh, pursue what they've made clear is their foreign policy agenda? And they said, no, no, I think people are blowing off steam.
0: What are these measures? In what parts of the world is steam being let off right now?
1: Um, There's some steam in Cuba. Of course, Obama had um, orchestrated a kind of uh, rapprochement with Cuba and the Trump administration has done a lot to make uh, that. Uh, impossible that Thor has hardened, and now Cuba is designated as a state sponsor of terrorism. So that's about the toughest you can get. So Pompey has done that on his way out. He's also declared the Houthis, uh, an Iran-linked uh, Yemeni organization, as terrorists. So these are the rebels in Yemen. Um, I haven't spoken to anyone who knows Yemen who thinks this will do anything but complicate the efforts to end the war there. Uh, and there's some of the, the most egregious human rights violations going on. Uh, the, the other thing he's done, which I think could potentially have support from Democrats, but it's been done in a way that makes it very difficult for them, uh, is that he's ended limits on U.S. diplomatic contacts with Taiwanese officials. And, and that's a funny rigmarole that the U.S. undergoes because Taiwan officially isn't a country Uh and since 1979, the U.S. has not recognized Taiwan. And that's all to do with U.S.-China relations. So it, it puts an extra thorn in that U.S.-China relationship, which Biden has said he wants to be tougher on, but I don't think he would have wanted to inherit this. So
0: all of this is uh, Mike Pompeo doing this within Donald Trump's State Department. Is this more about Mike Pompeo in 2024 or is it about Donald Trump in 2024?
1: Oh, I think this is clearly Mike Pompeo making his name. Don't forget, he was CIA director, then uh, secretary of state, and he has eyes on 2024. We've seen that for a long time coming. He's recently just tweeted to everyone who follows him as secretary of state, please come follow my personal website to my personal Twitter account. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I speak to his his colleagues at State Department who tell me that he, they're quite clear that he is preparing for a run in 2024, and this establishes his credentials as a hardliner, a hawk, uh, but also someone who has managed never to contradict uh, Trump, which which now the vice president, Mike Pence, who was also a contender for 2024, has done. So I think Pompeo emerges um, unscathed in one respect, which is that he's very much in the tradition of Trump, but has is now in a position to really own that he's taken foreign policy further in, in these technical measures that, than Trump um, himself has done.
0: Katrina Manson is our U.S. foreign policy and defense correspondent. In Germany, Armin Lachette is an honorary carnival knight in his hometown of Aachen. As of this weekend, he is also head of the Christian Democratic Union. That's Germany's ruling party, and it's also the political home of Angela Merkel, who has been the country's chancellor for 16 years and an anchor for Europe through several major crises. Mr. Lachette is the son of a miner. He studied law, he worked as a journalist, he is known for his affability. At last year's carnival, he was given a medal against deadly seriousness. He's also closely identified with Ms. Merkel. He was a staunch defender of Germany's open-door immigration policy during the refugee crisis of 2015. Hardliners in his own party view him as too liberal, but Mr. Lachette presented himself as the only candidate who could keep all of the party's competing camps together. Valuations are soaring for companies like DoorDash and Tesla and Uber. It could mean we're in a tech bubble. But the FT's global technology correspondent, Tim Bradshaw, says that even if it is, he's found similarities to the dot-com bubble of the late 1990s. Even when they're over, bubbles can leave some helpful investments behind. Here's Tim.
2: So yeah, it's pretty dot-com bubblish to see companies like DoorDash and Airbnb pretty much doubling on their first day of trading. DoorDash is now valued around $50 billion. Uber's market capitalization is around $100 billion. And quite a lot of these are businesses that have never made consistent profits. But you also
0: point out that one of the legacies of the last tech bubble was investment in real physical stuff. So
2: this is all the stuff that ended up being valuable later on for companies like, like Google and Facebook. The legacy of the first round of dot-com mania was the laying of lots of fiber optic cable that created a lot of excess capacity that brought down broadband costs. And that made it much easier for Google, Amazon, Facebook to come along and distribute their services to users. Now, what we're seeing with e-commerce investment at the moment is more of a kind of city infrastructure and a logistics infrastructure. All right. So what is happening right now that's going to permanently reshape cities? I mean, the most visible thing that we see on our streets is this courier network of people that are zipping goods around and it creates a kind of network and a skill set that will only grow as demand for e-commerce grows. The less obvious part are the huge warehouses that are built out on the edges of cities and then the smaller delivery warehouses that are being built inside cities that kind of help to smooth out and make more efficient that delivery service so that Amazon and its increasing number of rivals can bring you goods you know, next day without clogging up the roads with delivery vans. There's a similar thing happening in uh, restaurant delivery, where you're seeing companies like Deliveroo invest very heavily in so-called ghost kitchens or dark kitchens, i.e. restaurants that don't have any diners and are purely optimized for delivery. And then uh, there's a company from Poland that's just filed to go public called InPost, which is doing delivery lockers, making it more convenient and cheap for people to have stuff delivered to a, a central location for you to pick up later rather than coming and knocking at your home. and. One day when we're not all locked at home, we might be out when those things happen. So there's a bunch of little things that while they sound quite small and maybe untechnical. When you take them together, it just kind of smooths out the whole of the e-commerce system, which I think as it scales up and continues to grow, even after the pandemic, I believe will be really important. Tim Bradshaw is our global
0: technology correspondent. And finally, Indonesia's government has come up with a way to get citizens on board with a COVID vaccine. Southeast Asia's largest economy has almost 900,000 confirmed coronavirus cases and is struggling to get the pandemic under control. It's been rolling out vaccinations using a jab developed by Sinovac. That's a Chinese company. But almost 70% of Indonesians are uncertain about the vaccine. That's according to a survey from last October. So the government's decided to prioritize not just healthcare workers, but also social media influencers, a rock singer, the manager of a popular football club, a TV personality. They've all been seen on TV getting vaccinated. The government hopes they'll persuade a skeptical public. Critics have pointed to surveys showing greater faith in Indonesia in public health professionals, and also that one of those celebrities was seen gathering with friends without masks. You can read more on all these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news.
2: Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. with Good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation
1: Learn how at Bellincat.com